Drunk Dish contains adult language that may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. I interrupt and they make Hamilton references. So we're even. Um, So yeah, man, we can get right into it. So hello and welcome to Drunk Dish. Sprung right on you. Hello. (laughs) Where three delicious dishes explore food history and get pickled in the process. This is episode number 31 where we will be talking about the queen, the saint, goddess above julia child um in honor of her 108th birthday which will be by the time this episode comes out will have happened two days ago so it's on august 15th she would have been 108 um very excited i'm melissa i'm amy (laughs) and i'm kate (laughs) and i'm really really excited you might be able to tell that i'm like actually a little bit nervous um because We've got the coven with us today uh, from the one and only, it's not the only, but it's definitely the best feminist leftist podcast out there um, and genuinely one of my favorite podcasts. It's amazing. I haven't listened to the new episode yet, um, but I did listen to the gender one and it blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, it was so good. Tweet storming. Or folks, it was so good. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yes. Really good. Um, but if you guys would like to introduce yourselves briefly, that would be great. Do y'all just want to go in like alphabetical order? Yes, because I don't want to be first. <laughs> I'll go first. It's fine. Get it. I'm Bianca. I use they or she pronouns. I joined the coven very recently. I think <laughs> I did my first episode either in June or July. Um, but for now, I am living in Brooklyn. Uh, I have law school aspirations, but I don't know how set in stone they are. <laughs> um, yeah, that's basically it. Very cool. Thank you for coming. Of course. Well, yeah. Um, I'm Laura. I also use they and she pronouns. Um, yeah, I'm the only one, I guess, out of the three of us that has been with Season of the Bitch since the beginning. So uh, three years, September 1st. Um, and I edit and help manage um, the coven. Uh, edit the episodes. I don't edit the coven. <laughs> you can't edit the coven. Just to be clear, <laughs> I help manage the coven. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I also... Uh, and you edit fiction. our nudes. Right. Oh, I'm a- <laughs> baby. Yes. yes. So I I am a musician. I have a project that I'm working on an album called Adelaide. Um, <gasps> the project is named Adelaide, which is my middle name. Um, and then I also have an art project, which is called Sexy Sappho, which is like um, creating art nudes out of lewds. So just doing a lot of creative leftist shit these days what and i'm drinking mean? bourbon i don't know if we need to tell you this but i felt like it's important oh oh we will i'll i'll ask <laughs> okay don't you worry i just was like i'm gonna tell you anyways that's fine 
<laughs> this is a really like hanging loose, whatever show. Yeah. It's fine. What What's your instrument? Um, it's mostly guitar. Oh, <gasps> it's um, nice. Very it's nice. so hot. I can't. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I would love to bag a lovely lady or baby, you know, um, with my skills. However, not yet. Not yet <laughs> happening. It'll happen for sure. It'll happen, Laura. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so it's much. It's hard someone that measures up, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. It's true. Um, <laughs> I'm Zoe. I'm not going to tell you what I'm drinking and I'm going to wait to be asked. Good um, job. <laughs> <laughs> We've got two producers and editors on this. So there's going to be some, you know, she's taking control. I'm taking control. <laughs> it's fine. You can have two tops. It's okay. <laughs> I'm a switch. I would like to be very clear for the listeners at home. <laughs> Sorry, Zoe. Zoe, Zoe please it's tell okay. us about yourself. It's okay. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'm Zoe. I also use she or they pronouns. Um, most important things about me, I'm a quintuple Sagittarius, um, an agent of absolute chaos. You love and, to see it. And a goth icon. And I am starting grad school in like two-ish weeks in oh. gender studies and social work. So amazing. Hefty. Thank you so much. So cool. So yeah, I mean, like I said, we're so excited to have you guys on here. This is like a little bit of like starstruck for me, even though I <laughs> talk to, you know, at least Laura and Zoe online all the time, but it's not quite the same as seeing your beautiful faces. Um, and although you do get to see their beautiful faces, if you head over to their Patreon and you join, you can then be a we part love of a plug. You can mm -hmm. be a part of their abolitionist reading group, which unfortunately I've only been able to make once. Um, but it was fucking awesome and I learned a lot. So yeah, you know, go listen to the show if you don't already. You probably do. Uh, and then go over to the Patreon and give them your money because we all Thank need it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so now that we've all introduced ourselves, every episode, Kate likes to ask one food related question. That's a one parter. No, it's not. It's mm. not a one parter mm. ever. Everybody um, got. <laughs> We all had time. So, Kate, mm -hmm. what's our question for this episode? Okay. So, because we have been joined by uh, some guests, I don't know, what do we call this? Guests, I guess, yeah, on the show. Guests. We um, have a show, Kate. We figured, or I figured, <laughs> it would be an interesting thing to talk about, like, what's the largest um bunch of people you've ever had to cook for um so was it a uh cookout or was it a potluck or was it a kind of situation so a cocktail party a cocktail party yes um so the largest number of people uh and what was the menu like and what was and, the event yeah and what was the event yeah um i'll go first because you know that's just me. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't really have like, I've never cooked like a, like in my home, like a big meal, like Kate hosts when, you know, pre, pre COVID times, Kate's the hostess of the group. So <laughs> I've had many a large meal at her place where she just makes mounds of food and it's way too much, but it's also fucking delicious. Maybe this um, is an unfair question. <laughs> but that's not me. So the only thing I could think of is, um, so I have a lot of Masons in my family. 
Ooh, Illuminati. Mm-hmm. Um, and also uh, Eastern Star members. If, if you're unaware, Eastern Star is the female contingent of the Masons. Um, and it's super bullshit. There has to be one man present at every meeting because you don't know what those wily ladies are going to get up to. Right. God. Um, but anyways, as part of that, the Eastern Star people, like once or twice a year, have to put on this huge dinner for like the Masons. Um, and one year, for whatever reason, there was like nobody doing it. Um, my cousin was a worthy matron, which is like one of the like upper people in Eastern Star. It's like the person that like helps the girls in Rainbow, which is baby Eastern Star. All this like, sounds very cultish. I was going to say this all just. It, it really is. I'm technically a member of Eastern Star because my cousin still pays my dues and she bribed <laughs> me in high school to join. Uh, and I got very weirded out because there's a whole God part that I was just not on board with. But we won't, we won't get into that. But um, everybody had kind of like ducked out at the last minute. So it was myself, my cousin, who's older than me. She's about 20 years older than me. She's my mom's age. Um, my mom. And we were basically it. I think there was one other lady there having to make this huge like spaghetti and meatball dinner for like a hundred masons. And it was like August. It was and like 80 million degrees outside and it's the masonic temples they're not like or at least that one i think it was the milford one um they they didn't have like air conditioning or anything so we we're in this fucking hot kitchen all day making these goddamn spaghetti and meatballs for these masons and that's literally like the only thing i can think of it actually wasn't a bad experience it was fun and the, like people were super nice or whatever it was for charity or something uh <laughs> so that's mine it's not super exciting i like it yeah who wants to go next it's Katie. <laughs> no i gotta go last, <laughs> you go last? yeah uh, laura sure um well uh until I was not no longer gainfully employed, <laughs> I was employed at a place called the Massachusetts Avenue Project, and um, they are a food justice organization. And part of so there's like kind of four parts of that. One is the um, the growing process. So we actually had like a urban farm. We had a distribution process. So we had a mobile market that. Like brought the produce all around the city of Buffalo, and then um, we also had a cooking aspect. Um, and I was not in charge of the cooking aspect, but I was. I, the fourth part is the political advocacy side, which is what I was in charge of. Um, but I think the largest group I've ever cooked for was through that employment when I was helping out in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it like wasn't by myself. Um, I certainly was there with the, the head of the kitchen, my friend, Bethany, and we, I, we've cooked for many large events of like 75 people ish. Um, and it's always really, really interesting how to like manage all the different, um, amounts per like part of the meal and like trying to figure all of that piece out. Um, so yeah, I would say that that was probably like the most like commercial kitchen vibes that I've worked in. That's super cool. That's really cool. That is cool. We say cool a lot on the show. We, yeah, we're cool, cool, yeah. cool, cool, yeah. cool, 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 cool. Uh, Amy, what about you? 
Uh, my story is very similar to yours, Melissa. Uh, I was cooking for a charity dinner and I was serving like 100, 150 people spaghetti dinner. Spaghetti dinner is like so easy. It's so easy. I used to run cross country and before our big races, like a couple days before, we would like carb loads. So we would all go over to mm. like somebody's house. We and did that. I was on swim team and we also had like pasta parties. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like seriously like pounds of pasta and like ragu sauce. And you would just help in like the uh, and like garlic the, bread. Yeah. And like the Parmesan <laughs> in like the can. And mm -hmm. you would just help yourself. <laughs> it was amazing. Dust cheese is the best cheese. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Yeah, very versatile. Dust yeah. cheese? Did you call it dust cheese? Yeah, it's okay. dust cheese. Okay, I oh call boy. it sprinkle cheese. Yeah, we that's what it, my family calls it. We called it shake. We called it shake a cheese. <laughs> I used to, and Laura at least knows this from one of our episodes of Season of the Bitch. But I used to insist that like the sprinkle cheese when we were having pasta would I would put it in front of me at the table, and I was the cheese boss. And anyone else who wanted the cheese had to say, cheese boss, will you please pass the cheese? And then I would be like, okay. <laughs> but you, you must pass about, it back. About yeah. absolute power corrupting absolutely. I was like, the cheese is mine and you can request it at your will. Yeah, you definitely have the cheese boss of mine. Fantastic. <laughs> that, that sounds like something I would have tried to get away with when I was younger. And then my mom would have just not been having it. She would have been like, bitch, no. Smack that cheese right out of my hand. No. <laughs> I think they just thought it was cute because I'm the youngest. So I was like, you know, baby. Same. So they were like, whatever. She wants the cheese. It's fine. It's super cute. <laughs> it's empowering. Let her really have the cute. cheese. Exactly. <laughs> was that it, Amy? Or did you want did you want to elaborate anymore? That that was it. It's just a boring story of 18-year-old <laughs> me making a lot of spaghetti. Oh, little baby. Yeah. Yeah, so we've got uh, Zoe and Bianca left. Who would like to go? Bianca. I'll go. Okay. <laughs> um, I actually just tweeted this out before uh, you sent me the question. So I thought it was like a really weird like coincidence. But I said that like one of my favorite things to do is actually to cook for people. Like it just brings me a lot of joy. Um, and obviously I can't do that anymore because yeah. having people over is not a thing that you can safely do right now. Um, but I feel like uh, one of those moments where I like realized that I love doing this was when I graduated high school, like at the end of the school year, I had like a group of like 15 of my friends over to my house. And I was like, I'm just going to make like food for all of you. And we're just going to celebrate being done with high school. And it was like right after my family and I had taken our first and only trip to uh, Europe. Like we had gone to like Rome and I had had like so much food there. And I was like very bold at the time. I was, I'm just going to replicate all of this at oh, home. I'm going to learn how to sure. make gnocchi. I'm going to learn how to make tiramisu. I'm going to learn how to make mm -hmm. panna cotta. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to try to replicate this. Obviously I was never going to get to the skill level of anyone who like had been like cooking for years and years like in Rome, but I was like, I'm just gonna try my best. Um, but I remember like, I think I spent like at least three days like getting the like whole setup ready, but I remember the venue included like all of those things I mentioned, there was like a caprese salad. And I was like, okay, I should also make some like Chinese food because I think I need to also include that. <laughs> But I was like, that's like, that's like super, I still can't really cook Chinese food that well. Um, 
but I also had like some stir fries, which I was like, this is a really fucked up and weird menu, but I'm just going to go with it. And it was really fun. So that was the most people I've ever cooked for. I was like 18. So yeah. I love that. That's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zoe, you're up. Okay. Yeah. I, let's see. I mean, I have a big family, so I've been like part of helping with prep with a lot of big meals, like extended family. But I think my most like impressive cooking feat is that when I was 16, I was vegan. Um, I'm still vegetarian, but I'm no longer vegan. But for my 16th birthday, I was like, it's winter. As I said, I'm a Sag. So I was like, I have to fill the house with flowers. It was like a winter garden party. So I had to fill the house with flowers and I had to make a vegan feast. And this was my 16 year old vision. And my mom helped me. I did not do all of this cooking by myself. It was uh, a dual effort, but we made like all of my favorite dishes. So we made like an eggplant parm, we made mac and cheese. We made like, I think this peanut noodle thing that I was really into. Um, just like a ton of different like vegan dishes that I liked and just did a whole garden feast. Bread. Nice. And was it for family? Like, was it for? Like, it a was. Big... It was like some family and some friends, and like I had people wear like like flowery dresses. Like it was like a a garden. You came dressed as a garden. I appreciate a good theme. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me yeah. too. I love. Yeah, I love themes. And so I was like, everyone's coming in flowers. The house is coming covered in flowers. Wow. I love that. Oh, yeah. and we got we made like flower edible flower ice cubes. It was Aww. thorough. That's nice. adorable. Ooh. I love yeah. that. <laughs> I, I can't even compete. That's amazing. Well, you wanted to, you wanted to go last. So. I did. Well, I just wanted I wanted to hear everybody else's stories. Mine is like super boring. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just, I cooked a, I, like Melissa said, I do love just cooking for people and hosting. Um, you know, it's just it's the way to kind of show how you, love people i think mm -hmm. is a really and good... you're a damn good cook oh thanks lady oh my god so good <laughs> um so when i got married i had a sort of um brunch thing the next day um Which i remember to this day well you brought something you brought delicious mac and cheese to it and i will never forget that i'm really good at <laughs> making food that clogs arteries yeah it was mac and cheese of fantastic course. and it was like it, i remember too being like you didn't have to bring anything this was not like the point of this was not but it was it got eaten and it was delicious but yeah so it was family and friends and um sort of like this it was a situation where a lot of people who had never met before were meeting for the first time in a not wedding situation so it was just in my apartment and there was a lot of I remember being way more stressed about um like the apartment not looking like I was um a 12 year old person who didn't really oh. have wasn't like a really adult um uh, and for reference because <laughs> our guests don't understand our so my husband and kate's husband run a youtube channel together um that's all about it's mostly nostalgia pop culture but her husband's a big toy collector right so you kind of right. see on the shelf next to her there's like 
just tons of like action figures and yeah. stuff. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. guess that's what like you were like it was, there a was child. Hiding. A child doesn't live here. No, we're both no, adults. No, twelve year olds live in this house. Yeah, yeah. we're both adults. So yeah. that I remember being way more stressed out about that um, than I was about the food. But yeah, there was a. It was just food ev- everywhere, like on all of the surfaces. So mm-hmm. and it was really fun. And then like, there was probably like Melissa said earlier, too much and lots of leftovers. And- I'm sure. Yeah. 100%. So. Awesome. Thank you so much, everybody. That was Thank great. Thank you guys for sharing. I love those yes. stories. Yes. It's always oh. nice, especially since we just only get to listen to our, our stupid voices, you know, oh. yeah. we get together. That's we got a stupid. couple. Cut it out. <laughs> we got a couple new people. Um, so now that that's over with, we're going to move on to drinks. So I do yes. want to know what everyone's drinking, but also I want to guess. Amy, are you drinking you know a White Claw? Yeah. <laughs> I'm always drinking White Claw. What flavor? Hot girl summer. Yeah, what flavor? It's black cherry tonight. Ooh, Ooh, nice. Mm -hmm. The berry mix is is my fave seltzers. Yeah. Yeah, they're very, very tasty. I like also the lime because you can mix it with any juice. And then (laughs) it tastes very good. Or or summertime mom hack, uh, ice pops. Wait, making ice pops out of the White Claw? Or, or mixing it with ice pops. Yeah, it would probably be hard to freeze those. <laughs> My yeah. roommate tried to make gin and tonic ice pops last year, and like it just didn't fully freeze. You had to yeah. eat it in a bowl, but it tasted good. Yeah, I mean, that? yeah, okay. hard liquors doesn't normally freeze, so that's understandable. But I wish it did. It was like an icy before. kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kate, what are you drinking tonight? Are you guessing? Are you going to guess? No, I only. I, I mean. You're drinking, I don't know, some liquor and juice. <laughs> That's accurate. Uh, it's it's uh, actually, it's, it's just white rum and um, crystal light, <laughs> mango, green tea, something or other. And I, um, I pitted a whole bag of cherries this morning because Ooh. they were just about... They needed to be freeze, frozen, freezed. They needed to be frozen. Um, so there's some like real cherries in there. And I think my sister made this cocktail for me. So it's like twice as strong as it I usually I was going to say, oh, that's, that's okay. Yeah. So we're going to lose you halfway through. It's, it, it's possible. <laughs> Last yeah. time she made a drink for me, I had to leave early. So yeah, she, <laughs> she's dangerous. So yeah. but it, this is delicious. So <laughs> Uh, Laura, let me guess what you're drinking. Was it bourbon? <laughs> yes. Did you write that down? Because I had actually forgotten. I so, was worried that I forgot. It's a Woodford bourbon um, on a big ice cube with a slice of lemon and a little bit of bitters. Mm. Dang, that's hardcore. That's like a real. Fancy. That's like a real grown-up drink, mm-hmm. which Is I like. It? Well, you know, you gotta <laughs> Kate and Amy. You know they're you, they like the seltzers and the and the juice and liquor. Yeah. So, we you have know. pedestrian tastes. You can True. tell. Us. <laughs> I, I would True. never say that your tastes are wonderful. I mean, I would say that my tastes are as gay as I am. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Are you referring to just the bourbon or precisely? Is, yes. I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> when, if we when only I'm have out, liquor, I can drink straight. Oh, same. And when I'm out, that's pretty much the thing that I get. Me too. Oh, yeah. I but mean, I can't go out anymore, so I don't remember. I, irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> I do irrelevant. miss Someday people making in the, drinks. In the, 
far future. Yeah, in five years. Yeah, someday. Um, so Zoe, you're next on my screen. I've kind of just gone around. So okay. what are you drinking? I once again feel that I have the bougiest answer, but as a certified mixologist, um, I've been what? on an infused. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I was a bartender in pre-times. Oh, I did know that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, did did some mixology classes. I like to make fancy drinks. So mm -hmm. I've been infusing gin. I made hibiscus infused gin. Mm. And then um, the drink, the rest of the drink's not that fancy. I mixed it with a seltzer that was uh, pineapple ginger seltzer. Mm. And then I put some honey and a lot of ice and a lot of gin. That sounds delicious. <laughs> that sound Wait, really is that pineapple ginger seltzer alcoholic or is it? Yes. Just... <laughs> I want it. Like, yeah, I want it's the hard it. seltzer. It's like, so I'm in Philly now and it's this Philly brand. I sent. Um, Bianca and Laura, a picture mm -hmm. of it. But so it's this like Philly craft seltzer Ooh. that is that is hard seltzer. And it tastes great. I'm having a great time. <laughs> You're going that to be, that could be the loca, And I love it. Wait, I'm what? <laughs> I'm what? You're going, you're going to be loco and I love it. Like <laughs> Bianca, I've seen you sipping over there. What are you? Yeah, you've already yeah. seen what I have been drinking. It's this red wine that I bought solely on its packaging, which I shouldn't do, but that's just sometimes I mean, how I pick wines. Yeah. I'll it show it. For I'll show it yeah. Queen. I'll show it to people on camera and I'll just describe it. But it's like it has this really intricate lion design on it. And I was like, I want this. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'm just weak, but it's like too dry for me. Mm. <laughs> like I, maybe I think I just want wines to be a little bit sweeter than this one is. But honestly, now that I'm drinking it, maybe because this is my second glass, I'm like, oh, this is it's pretty really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's always better by the second glass. Yeah. yeah. It, it gets better the more you drink. Yeah. Yes. Um, but that is what I'm having. That's fantastic. So right. the oh, what? I okay. just said nice. Oh, I, oh, wait, I was can like, you show us your wine glass, though? I really like your glass. Thank I got yeah. These were a pack of four at Macy's for $12. <laughs> I love it. It's so cute. Thank I, you. Yeah, it is. You love a nice. good goblet, you know? Like, yes. I feel like I want people to understand me as a threat to them. And if I drink out of a goblet, I feel like that's better. You know, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's like the equivalent of like the finger across <laughs> the neck. If you're drinking out of a goblet, you are not to be fucked with. Yeah. If you're yeah, if you're drinking out of a goblet, like there's a knife in your bag. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm right. drinking out of a out of a Pinocchio glass. So <laughs> I don't know what that says. That's what everything you need to know about. You're ready to read us a bedtime story. <laughs> Yeah, I'm drinking out of an unreasonably large jar to have made a cocktail in, but here we are. I didn't want to have to refill. Yeah, I know. I'm like getting to the bottom of mine, and I'm like, hmm. yeah. I literally yeah. took the bottle into I my. Thought room. I thought ahead. My glass can fit an entire bottle of wine in it. It's one of those like optical illusion wine goblets. Yeah. Wait, can I see wine goblets? I feel like that's yeah. very dangerous. Wow. Oh. Yeah. So it doesn't look big. That. Yeah. But it can fit a lot. So I'm I'm more for like a function over form kind of gal. I mean, like, my oh, yeah. get me drunk. My yes. red red wine glass can fit 
almost a full bottle of wine, but like you're not supposed to put a full bottle of wine in it. Like you're only Who supposed says? to fill it up to like here. <laughs> I don't know, like wine rules. Why do you Julia think Child. Know anything about wine? Julia Child definitely. Julia Child would want you to put the whole bottle of wine. She yeah, would. no, Julia would say, "Why do you need this glass? Just drink yeah. it out of the bottle." <laughs> <laughs> Can we just tell you that in preparation for this crossover, me, Zoe, and Bianca watched Julie and Julia together. Julia and Julie. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. right. Thank you so much. Um, But that is to say that is mostly the extent of our knowledge of Julia Child. I mean, it's a great movie. I love it. So that's actually great because Nora Ephron based that script off of Julia Child's autobiography. So if that's your only source material, that's a pretty good source material. (laughs) That is like, we were all like, we don't really know about her. And I was like, I've seen Julia and Julia twice now. And I think that we could just all watch it. And like, we're ready. Yeah. (laughs) It's the Cliff's Note version. Yeah, I love that movie so much. I don't even care. It's It's the best. It's cute. It's so good. So- in honor of Julia Child tonight, we're going to be drinking her favorite cocktail, which is a cocktail that she actually um, is credited with inventing. Um, and that's an upside down martini. So a traditional vodka martini is general or gin martini is generally, you know, an ounce of um, gin or vodka and then your preferred amount of vermouth. That really depends on how dry or wet you want your martini to be. Um, I prefer a drier martini so this bitch is like about as wet as they get um so i haven't actually tried it yet so i don't know (laughs) if i'm gonna like it and i mean i know it's really good to like get a bitch wet but like this might be a little too slippery for me we'll see um so okay but like speaking of okay we need we need to we need to talk at some point about wap because because it's exactly what you're talking about. Anyway, continue. <laughs> this episode's going to be three hours long. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so uh, the upside down martini, like I said, I mean, it's literally a reverse martini. Um, but then you just like amp up the vermouth. So it's five parts dry vermouth. Um, specifically, Julia liked uh, Noli Pratt vermouth, which is what I went to the liquor store to get. But the only bottles of Noli Pratt they had were like these huge, like, comedically huge bottle. Julia Child sized. I'm, and I'm not going to go through that much vermouth. Like, it's just not going to happen. So I ended up going with a Dolan dry vermouth instead. And then one part gin. Um, I specifically used Plymouth because Plymouth is kind of a nice, like, middle of the road, dry London gin. Um, so I find that, like, super great and pretty much any gin-based cocktail, unless you want the gin to, like, really speak for itself and be really front forward. Um, and then ice. And then just a lemon twist, which I didn't do because I forgot to prep it. And then we were recording and I was like, fuck, I guess I don't have to get a lemon twist. Um, And then you just mix it. And then um, Julia would put ice in a wine glass and then pour it into the wine glass. But that wasn't like enough. So I've just got this guy, which is just vermouth Ooh, gin. And I like that glass too. We want to I hear your too. initial reactions after your first sip. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's delicious. Yay. So, of course. I, <laughs> I learned a little bit about vermouth recently. I've never been a big vermouth drinker. And previously, the only dry vermouth I had was the Martini and Rossi 
like extra dry vermouth because that's what my cousins always used in martinis. So I was just like, oh, that's just what you get. Uh, and then I discovered that there was like a whole world of vermouths out there. And I was like, whoa, what the fuck have I been missing? Uh, and I've discovered that almost every single vermouth on the planet is better than Martini and Rossi. <laughs> so <laughs> in my opinion, of course, everybody has their own taste. Um, but this Dolan, I mean, vermouth is a, if you don't know, is a um, aromatized and fortified wine. So they take, you know, the I wine and, <laughs> and they add in like barks and spices and fruits and flowers and all that sort of stuff. Sometimes they also add in additional alcohol content to make it a little beefier. Um, so it essentially just like this Dolan is very smooth. It just really <laughs> tastes like a light aperitif that you would have before dinner. Um, which I love is what, Dolan. Yeah, it so it's good. I, I think never that's the best, like that's the best like bang for your buck vermouth. Good to know. I feel validated. Thank you. <laughs> Have I, you done like a vermouth spritz? No, because uh, I just started learning about vermouth kind of recently, and I didn't even know that like drinking vermouth on its own was a thing. Yeah, I do or, like, like you do like vermouth spritz. and some seltzer and like yeah. a lemon, and it's beautiful yeah i might do that with this because this is again very much like an aperitif like any other one you would pick up it's not super bitter like some you know it's not like um aperol or anything like that it's not super strong it's kind of nice mellow which i like um a little bit about vermouth i'm gonna keep it really short just because we don't want this episode to be three hours long um but uh so it first appeared in italy around the mid to late 18th century like pretty much every alcohol or aperitif ever it was used medicinally um so it was used to like calm the stomach help you digest all that sort of stuff um and then historically there were really only two types of vermouth sweet and dry um, but due to kind of competition and then, of course, other countries starting to like get on the bandwagon because uh, France is really big on vermouth now. And then even the United States and in the UK, some places make it there as well. We've got a bunch of other manufacturers that have created a bunch of different styles, like extra dry, um, sweet white, which is Blanc or Bianco, um, red, amber or Rosso, and then also rosé vermouth as well. Um <laughs> So there's a bunch. And then quick thing about vermouth, because this is something I've seen on Twitter a lot. Please, once you open your vermouth, put it in the fridge. Please. I beg of you. Please. <laughs> it is a fortified wine. It's not a hard liquor. So like it's not just going to keep forever. Um, generally, it'll, it'll be fresh for one to three months. As my co-host know, I don't uh, <laughs> abide by the <laughs> those rules. The bottle of Martini and Rossi I had in my fridge, I had for in there for like two years, probably. Um, <laughs> but technically for best flavor, once you open it, you want to refrigerate it and then it'll last one to three months and still be kind of fresh and delicious and floral. And you'll really get like all those notes. Um, I'm realizing the vermouth in my fridge is definitely way older. Though, oh though. my God. I mean, <laughs> I've uh, the Martini and Rossi I had was probably fridge, older. Though. Yes, probably <laughs> older than two years. Uh, I just never think, oh, it's fortified wine. You got to like refrigerate. And I think a lot of people don't either. And I think people on Twitter hate me because they'll post like a cute picture of their cat and I'll see vermouth in a cabinet and I'll be like, cute cat, please put your vermouth in the refrigerator. <laughs> Classic Scorpio thinking everyone's out to get her. I mean, that's, <laughs> people should know. People should know to, to refrigerate it. Yeah, people should know. And that's Which I learned in bartending training brag. 
<laughs> so I, I, I actually just paid for like an online like cocktail class that has like Ooh, nine fun. different courses in it that focus on different liqueurs. I haven't started it yet, but I'm like pretty excited about it. Ooh, yeah. yeah, that's fun. I'm so that also is- excited to benefit from your knowledge when we finally when, get to though, see you again. I was going to say, make me cocktails. Yes, I was going to say this. I feel part- like I love your energy. You're just like. Everyone cooks, everyone makes drinks. I'm here with my spritzer, but like, great, <laughs> chilling. Like, I can't wait. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. My, my literal only knowledge of vermouth is that when I grew up, like, growing up, um, my grandmother, not the, I lived with my grandparents, but my, the other grandparents would come over maybe twice a year for like the 4th of July and Christmas. And there was always a bottle of dry vermouth up in the cabinet for her Manhattans. And that was, and I'm telling, I'm, I'm, she probably had two Manhattans like in the, you know, time that she was there. Mm. And so uh, that was probably a real old bottle. Cause I mean, look, it's not going to kill you. (laughs) You know, you're yeah. gonna be fine well, when you when you sense the flavor that you know, you know food waste is a serious problem in this it, country. No, it true. is, and it's if we true. just do our part and you hold know, on Amy, to our liquor, keep that bottle of up in the cabinet for get off your soapbox and tell us about <laughs> Julia Child, please. Okay, uh, I, do I will have uh, some fun. You can start talking. I just okay. have I have this business. Oh, right yeah, the um, photos. So many photos. Yeah, I don't. Um, uh, I'm just gonna click on random shit. Okay, <laughs> that works. Um, so Julia Child, she's born Julia Carolyn McWilliams, and she's born to actually like a pretty wealthy family in Pasadena, Cal- California. Um, her dad was a financier, which like just sounds fancy. Um, and they I mean, actually has go- fancy in it, like it, that's not how it's spelled, <laughs> but <laughs> fancy air it sounds it sounds similar. Uh, but the, he she grew up with servants like in our household, uh, which mm. I had no idea, yeah. So yeah, she had not like, here for that, yeah. She had cooks, and also anytime I research like one of my idols, I'm always like, okay, what skeletons do they have in their closet? Well, that There's- was one of the things. Go, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that was one of the things that came up was was like her upbringing is is very uh, fancy. And she didn't realize till later in life the privilege that she had. Another thing is that I found a photo of her potentially. It's hard to tell, but she might have been in brown face. Oh, God. Oh in God. high school. It's in one of the photos, but she was I in a production mean, of Arabian Nights. She oh, was born no. in Night- oh, no. Yeah. She was born in 1912. I'm not, that's not an excuse, but also, like, I feel like literally everyone in 1912 was racist. Maybe not. I don't feel like I would have been racist in 1912. <laughs> time to get into this conversation. So, brown face, that's awesome. Thanks for yep. ruining my idols for me. Uh, I'm sorry, but those are the two, the only two things. And I can't, I can't confirm. I mean, she was dressed like someone of Middle Eastern descent in the oh, place, God. but I can't yeah. confirm if she's wearing makeup to make her complexion darker or not. Um, but Guys, she, Meryl Streep did brown face like last year. Did she? she did? Yes. What? Uh, the that movie, the like post office or whatever. At one point, mm-hmm. she's like conning someone, so she dresses up as a different person and she dresses oh. up as a Latina. 
Oh, well, Meryl Streep, who played Julia Child. So. That's true. Connected. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Zoe. Both yep. guilty. Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. So she grew up in comfort, right? Yes. Um, she had professional cooks in her household. And her first, like, real epiphany with, with food happened relatively young when her family tra- traveled to Tijuana for a family vacation. So her parents took her to dine at the famed uh, restaurant of Cesar Cardini, which I know we're going to dedicate a whole episode to, but he is the uh, inventor of Caesar. He's already on the list. He's the inventor of Caesar salad. Oh, I put him on the list. (laughs) Yeah, you put him on the list, Melissa. (laughs) I'm so smart. Yeah. Um, But she remembers her parents being just like super excited. So this is a quote from an interview with her in the Times. She wrote, she said, my parents were so excited eating this famous salad that was suddenly very chic. So Cesar himself was a great big old fellow who stood right in front of us to make it. And I remember the turning of the salad in the bowl was very dramatic. Um, so she has this like this early experience with food. Um, it stayed with her, but it doesn't actually impact her willingness to learn how to cook um, until much later when she she studies in Paris and she thinks back on that experience. So she grows up in this very well-to-do family. Her mother had attended Smith. She, of course, has to attend Smith. Um, Smith was like the girls college um and it wasn't too far away from princeton so it was like the girls would go to smith and the boys would go to princeton and then they'd get married afterwards because that's what your master's degree in fine art is for is to find that's funny because i'm from i'm from philly which is like near where smith is and Mm. everyone i know that went to smith is very gay now (laughs) (laughs) yeah you love it (laughs) <laughs> one of my favorite um, like evolutions of like a campus community and culture is seeing what Smith was in like 1920s versus Smith today. It's a very different campus, which is really exciting. I mean, to be fair, they were probably all gay in 1922. They just, you know, couldn't say it. They They're all had living mistresses. in dormitories and, you know, just mm-hmm. experiencing things for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but she graduates from Smith in 1934 and she starts a job in advertising. So she starts uh, copywriting in New York City. And um, I found this really great quote. So she had this upbringing where she's, like I said, kind of like insulated, grew up in privilege, and she didn't really understand the world outside until after she graduated college and had to go out Aww. and make a living. So the idea of her going to Smith is like, oh, she'd find a husband, which like in retrospect, all girls school, like, but like I said, there were crossovers with other male colleges. In For the sure. Era. She had to find her Stanley Tucci. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love her husband, at least in Julie and Julia. Yeah. I don't really know. Right. right. The Tucci and he's a prince. So. Yes. Yeah. I love her husband, Stanley Tucci. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the real husband's pretty great, too. Um, surprisingly. I um, love the sex that they have constantly. <laughs> I'm really here for it. Yeah. When when I was watching the movie with Bianca and Laura, I just kept being like, this is they were like, it's like when they're in their like silk PJs together and he's like, Yes, become a cook. Yes, I support you. Also, yes, let's make out. I was like, this is so hot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so supportive, so sexy. We love to see it. I yeah. was like, does this man exist? And Laura said, No. Yeah. No. Uh maybe. am I wrong? Well, yeah, I think I, I would argue that yes, you're wrong, but that yeah. I might. <laughs> I mean, there's only one ever, and Julia Child's husband is also passed. So, yeah. oh. And Stanley Tucci's also taken, right? Yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't know if Stanley Tucci's uh, like that. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just, he's just a very good actor. I like yeah. that he is because he's just so adorable. We don't need to get mm. if we get into my love for Stanley Tucci, we're gonna All have to gone. cut this podcast short. Yeah. Okay, but that video, relatedly, that video of him where he's like making a drink for his lady. Oh my god! Wow, oh my god, love it. All right, yeah. speaking of be being wet. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> so. So the whole idea between uh, behind Julia going to Smith is that it's a great place for her to find a husband, right? Mm-hmm. She like learns all these skills. Um, but Julia was over six feet tall and it was really hard for her to find a husband. So like the thing that she thought she was supposed to do, she had like struggled to do. So instead she became a working girl, um, which is what I mean for the 1930s version of that term. Oh, I was girl. like, wait, I did not, not know that. That's this. a whole new, that's a different <laughs> Julia that I knew. Like, wait, <laughs> self-edit. Um, so she she becomes a copy editor, uh, copywriter in New York. And she once said, I was a Republican until I got to New York and I had to live on $18 a week. And then I became a Democrat. So she became liberal um, and progressive when she like actually experienced hardship life for the first time yeah she experienced life (laughs) life yes um so she's she's out in new york city she's working she's paying her own bills she's got her own apartment and then her mother gets really sick and she ends up coming home to kind of take care of the house to keep house for her dad because apparently men in this time period are incapable of functioning well i mean most of them now too let's be honest Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) So she goes home and after living this like really exciting life where she she thought she was going to be like, like almost like what Sylvia Plath does after leaving Smith, right? Where she like goes out and becomes this great novelist and this great writer. And and that's her vision of her future is like, you know, what? I can't find a husband, but I'm going to go out and have an exciting life and build a career and write and live. And it's going to be wonderful. And then her mom gets sick. And she goes home out of this like sense of familial ab- obligation. So she goes home and she just gets bored out of her mind. Uh, and then World War II happens. And it's like an exciting time to be a woman, despite the fact that war is horrible. Because women now are being asked to come back into the workforce and asked to join the military and asked to serve in new ways. So she initially tries out for the Women Accepted for Volunteer Emergency Services, which is WAVES for short, and the Women's Army Corps. I was trying to. (laughs) Which is WAC. Great acronyms. Um, But she wants to serve her country. But both of those organizations are like, you're too tall, lady. You can't join. I don't know why being too tall is is a blocker. For fighting for your she country, won't fucking sit at a won't fit at a desk. I don't understand what the. I don't know. I don't they know. Didn't have, they didn't have slacks long enough. Yeah, I was oh, like, it probably yeah. had to do with like whatever fucking uniform thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they didn't have that problem when she ends up because she ends up getting accepted to the OSS, which is the Office of Strategic Services, which mm-hmm. later becomes the CIA. So there's mm-hmm. like this big theory of like, okay, was she a spy? Wasn't she? In her autobiography, she says that she wanted to become a spy, that she thought that was really exciting, but that she ended up just like pushing papers. But that's exactly that's what, what a spy, a spy would, would say. say. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. What someone from the CIA would <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so maybe she was a spy. Um, I mean, I'd rather her not be a spy. Like it's cool, like a oh, woman spy, but also like kind of gross. So it's like top like yeah yeah like i want her to be badass but not you know and helping you know what this is a food podcast 
yeah. so we won't get into it but yeah every, everything is political yeah. harriet the spy is the only good spy stand agree correct agree what about Agreed. nancy drew does that count okay as she's a I detective think... i guess yeah she's a detective mm. never mind yeah you're right so right. Julia, Julia Child does some really important work at the OSS, um, like developing shark repellent. Uh, <laughs> she, she, she's originally like an assistant to the director and her like official job title is researcher. Then she transfers to this like very specific niche part of the OSS called the sea rescue equipment section, which like, who the fuck is naming these organizations, these things in the forties, like sidebar. Yes. Even though we That's haven't announced name. we haven't announced any sidebar. And it's not really because it's about her. Going mm -hmm. through these pictures, I don't know what it is. I think like your taste just kind of changes as you get older, but like she was really gorgeous. Like I oh, know yeah. that she's yeah. not described as like being you know, whatever traditionally beautiful. And I'm just wondering if that's like as you get older, you just your tastes so change because look whoa. Look at her. Yeah. I think that there's also something about that. all fashion. Every picture from the 40s and 50s makes everyone look, look yeah, just so. Look at these idiots. Debonair. I think her focus it's is part of too. Well, I think also it's like part of the history of photography. Like taking a photograph was a much bigger deal and it was every single mm. like frame that was ever captured was like a large event potentially yeah. at that time um right. so we have we have to remind ourselves of this that it's like not it's not really candid right like yeah. they didn't all have their curlers in all the time like it right. was like they put them right. in for the photo because it was one of like eight photos right 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 yeah. right, right. Yeah. sidebar over i was just wanted to let you know that i'm kind of feeling i'm kind of feeling on yeah. the child right now mm -hmm. yeah I also, I also think too that like her priorities change right like she goes she has this vision she's raised upper middle class so like her job is to go find a husband like that's what like what she's raised oh, believing no. That's what you but, were talking about. Yeah. Oh, but God. like, then no. it, yeah, that's the picture. Yeah. That's not kind of, that's. Oh my that's God. For sure. It's sapia sure. colored. So I can't, I can't like, no. it looks oh, like she's in brown face, but I can't say. Everything's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's wrong. Let's Everything's move away. Wrong. We're going to yeah. leave this. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when she's working at the sea rescue equipment section, which is a mouthful, uh, she starts to invent shit and she works like in a specific team that that um they're tasked with solving the problem of all of the american troops that end up in the ocean getting attacked by sharks so they so they make shark repellent um and they also like make a bunch of equipment that you can use to like get in and out of the water quickly um and equipment that you can use if like you you crash land your airplane that like you won't invite a shark attack um so essentially like the the job that she ends up having again isn't quite as glamorous as as what she thought it would be like she had this idea um of of what it would be in chance of like sleeping on cots and you know wearing a, a uniform and doing kind of like this like nuts and bolts work um and and this is also where she meets her future husband, Paul Christian Child. Yay. Um, probably the only time where I'm going to yay, like a woman stopping Marrying. her career to, to meet up. <laughs> yeah. well, um, I thought you were going to say the only time you're going to yay a man. I mean, well, that too. <laughs> probably I, I also accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
so yeah, she meets her husband there. And what happens is when the war ends, they're like, shit, like we don't really know who one another is outside of uniform. Like we don't know who we are outside of like this thing that this identity that we've built around World War II. So they take a few months to get to know each other in quote unquote civilian clothes. So they go on vacation together and they, they spend a couple of years together. And then finally they decide to tie the knot. Um, and they get married and they end up getting married the day after a really like horrible car accident that they're both in. So there's a photo in the drive of their wedding. Um, and she's not wearing like a wedding dress or anything. Julie Child is not traditional in that, in that way, but she has like a bandage over her face in her wedding oh. photo. Cause oh they God. had just, they, literally the day before they got into a car accident. So she was yeah. bandaged up and had stitches and oh, so get, yeah, they get married in 1945. Um, now Paul Childs, he was a foodie. So like he loved good food. And as I mentioned, Julia had this like really early experience with the Caesar salad. And she just remembers like that food being this really experiential thing where it made people happy. Like it changed their moods. You know why it made people happy? Because, (laughs) you know, a little alcohol for the dish and a little alcohol for me. (laughs) That's the only time you're going to get that impression because... Oh, that was good. It has never been worse. <laughs> I was so hoping. Uh, I like uh, that. If we coax <laughs> Melissa to drink more, we'll get another one. It's almost um, gone. Sorry. No. no. So, Julia, <laughs> she wasn't cooking, like, this whole time. She had this, like, early experience with the Caesar salad, but then she, she was living on her own, and, like, cooking to her wasn't a skill that like women could do professionally. She hadn't ever seen that. So like, you know, in the, in this time period, like there was no representation of women as professional chefs. Well, even now, I mean, even now you see way more, it's that whole thing. Women are home cooks, men are chefs. Yep. Exactly. Fucking bullshit. But yeah, so it's like girls can't do math. Like what year is it? Right. (laughs) So Paul introduces, like, reintroduces her to, like, the love of food. And she loves Paul. Like, she loves him so much. So she commits herself. I thought to you were going to learn. say, and she loves food. I mean, I mean, that too. Yeah. But she, like, up until this point, she hadn't, like, really cared, like, what she was cooking or what she was eating. She, like, relied on frozen dinners or, like, easy meals and things like that when she was on her own. But she's like, I love this man. I want him to love me. And, like, her, you know, 1940s like life was like, okay, I have to be a cook if I want to be his wife. Like I have to know how to cook. So she, um, she tries to learn how to cook to like, please Paul. So that, like as an attempt to woo him, like, so she sees it as like a courtship thing. Right. So she tries to seduce him with her kitchen prowess. And uh, she often tells a story of how she once exploded a duck and caught her <laughs> oven on fire, <laughs> which can relate uh that is the oh, one isn't that in the movie yes yeah, i in the think movie? so probably i think that's in the movie yeah. yeah it's one of the like famous stories she would tell reporters and like her early rise to in publicity was that you know she used to be a horrible cook um and she learns to cook to please paul and to try and seduce him right so um paul is telling his friends at the same time, I don't care that she can't cook. I love her so much. Like I'm willing to forego my love of food and like my love of good food to marry this woman. Cause I just love her so much. So like, even from the get go by all accounts, he seems like a great stand up guy, which is rare for me to say. 
Especially on this show. I mean, it's <laughs> rare in general, but usually on this show, the men we're talking about are Horrible. such complete trash. Yeah. So Paul, after the war, uh, Julia commits herself to this like idea of domesticity and she, she uh, enrolls herself in a cooking school um, to try and learn. It doesn't go well. Um, and Paul, <laughs> they moved to Washington, D.C. for a little bit. And then he ends up getting stationed in Paris because he's still working for the federal government at this time. So on their way to Paris, they stop for lunch in Iran and they have. Um, this lunch that's uh, got oysters um, and they're like browned in Normandy butter and there's salad with baguettes and there's cheese and there's coffee. And she's just like, she has the same epiphany that she had when she was a child eating a Caesar salad and just seeing and witnessing the joy that food could bring to people and then experiencing that herself too. Like she said it was a life changing meal. So, her passion for cooking once they get to Paris comes out of these two experiences, both the, the meal in Iran and then the Caesar salad from her youth and kind of connecting those dots. And then also her love of Paul and realizing like he chose me knowing full well that I will light the kitchen on fire anytime <laughs> I cook, even though like he loves food like he loves good food well, you, you know what flavor. though like he could also cook i'm just saying oh yeah no he totally could he totally could um but it's it's like a like an act of love like it's not an act of obligation at of this course. point yeah right um so julia has her passion comes out of this genuine desire and she commits herself to try and learn to cook. So when she's in Paris, she enrolls in cooking school. And first she enrolls in a housewives class, which she like immediately flunks out of. And housewives she... class? Yeah, I know. Barf. What so does many that problems. mean? It's cooking for housewives. So it's like simple, basic. So it's not like professional level skills. Right. It's like, okay. Right. Okay. So, and then she gets moved to another class and she flunks out of that. And then eventually <laughs> the school is like, you know what? We're going to put you in this class. We feel like this is a better fit. She puts, she's put in class with four, uh, 11 former GIs um, who all want to become professional level chefs. So it's like actually challenging. Like, and I think this is probably Julia Child's issue with cooking before is that like her idea of cooking is something that's like rather simple and boring like she sees it as domestic and like this is her her first experience where she sees it as something exciting and passion filled and something you mm -hmm. can experiment with and do interesting things with and it's it's a good kind of challenge instead of just like a boring like thing you have to check up check off the box right yeah like sidebar for our season of the bitch guests mm -hmm. can you guys give us any because i sent so i sent laura <laughs> julia child's birth chart <laughs> oh um, yes we discussed it <laughs> and i know it was shared and i want to know mm. does any of this line up because it's all gibberish to me Ooh, as much as i try okay. just real just real quick like let me pull it up her feeling she loves like the attention of being an individual so being kind of like a trailblazer in this way makes a lot of sense and then i feel like her Libra moon is like, which is what I have. So it's perfect. Yes. Mm. Uh, is like 
Oh, I don't really know, have any idea what I want to do with my life. So she's like, oh, I can't really cook. I'm going to learn how to do it for this man that I love. Libra energy is also very relationship oriented. So it makes a lot of sense that like she was like driven to do something by her husband. Um, anyway, yeah. other thoughts? I feel like well, Gemini. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I feel no, like no, Gemini. The, they have awoken the season of the bitch guests are <laughs> i love it I oh every <laughs> word of it every word i actually asked this question while we were watching julia and julia i was like what do we think julia's sign is because i oh yeah know at that point and i think folks were saying gemini i remember gemini was one of them so i was like yes or, like, gemini. i think you said maybe scorpio was it Gemini or Scorpio? I remember this. If she was a Scorpio, y'all would have known because I would have been tweeting the shit out of that. Mm. Well, now that I realize this episode is for her birthday, I'm like, she's obviously right. a Leo. I was like, know. makes sense. Yeah. I was like, Gemini rising also makes sense, though, because I feel like, like, Geminis are often like, oh, I want to try a bunch of things out. I, I have like a ton of different ideas. I want to express everything that I'm feeling and I can go in a lot of different directions. And also like meltdowns. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's just like, I don't I don't know if volatile is a, the correct, but like they will go everywhere. And yeah. that's like a good thing sometimes. Um, sometimes I you also, need that. Huh? Yeah. Sometimes you need that. Sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if she wasn't willing to like take this risk to go in this cooking journey and that she ended up going on, it wouldn't have resulted in everything that ended up resulting. So I feel that. Very yeah. Cool. Also, her her Jupiter is in Sag, and Sag is ruled by Jupiter, so that's a very powerful placement mm. um, as the Sag expert on the call, and like. One thing with Sadness is like getting really into something and like having to be the expert and then just being like, okay, I'm done. And so it makes <laughs> sense that she was like, I'm gonna be a writer. And then was like, hmm, okay, I'm gonna be a spy. I'm gonna invent this shit. Okay, all right, I'm gonna be a fucking cook. And like, just like getting really into like all these different things is like very, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. love that. Thank you for that insight. Yeah, no, that's anytime. Amy. Continue. That's super helpful. Yeah. So she she's attending the Cordon Bleu cooking school and she's there for six the months. Onions. The oh, onions. Oh yeah. That's all I remember wait, from wait. the movie. The onions, right? Isn't can, that Le Cordon Bleu? Yeah. Can everyone say onion real quick? Onion. This is an experiment. Onion. 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 We're good. Okay, good. My, uh, my partner grew up in Maine for uh part of his life. Onion. And he says onion. And I'm like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever onion? So I Like onion? Like it That's has a gross. G in it. Yeah. No, so I'm no. always asking people how they say onion. I've never onion? heard that. Judge onion them. and bagel drive me insane. Oh. Bagel. Bagel Bagel's really bad. Or, yeah, bagel. <laughs> anyway. Or bagel. Bagel. I, I accidentally mess up that word a lot. Bagel? So it's hard for me to say. Well, what do you want to say? No, I'm not going to say it right now <laughs> because I I don't want to. That's fine. That's fine. I have oh, a hard time. No, with, I would with, rather uh, have raccoon. a crumpet anyway. But you have a hard time with what? Raccoon. I always feel like I'm putting the wrong emphasis in the wrong syllable. Raccoon. Raccoon. <laughs> Wait, I say it like raccoon. Raccoon. No, no it's not a raccoon. <laughs> 
it's, it's a, a raccoon. raccoon. No, it's, it's a raccoon. raccoon. <laughs> Language is weird. <laughs> very weird. It's yeah. very even in the United States. It's I mean, it's all over the place. So Amy, oh, you just we States. all agree it's an onion. It's yes. an onion. I don't it's think anyone onion. has different pronunciations that here. Yeah. There's yeah. no like NG in no. onion. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. So back to Julia. <laughs> she attended Cordon Blue cooking school and she studied privately with this dude named Max Bugnard. That can't be right. I don't know how to say his name. That sounds horrible. Poor man. Uh, but he, she befriended two amazing women there, uh, Simone and Louisette. And there's a picture of them somewhere in the drive too. Oh God, honey. Yeah. I don't know. I'll look. Okay. <laughs> It says Julia and Simone and Louisette. But anyways, they started their own cooking school because they went through this program and they're like, you know what? It's bullshit that we have to take the housewives cooking course. And then we have to fight tooth and nail to get into like the really exciting cooking course. So we're going to start our own cooking school. So they started in 1951. Um, It was called the School of the Three Gourmands. And they taught people from all walks of life how to make really exciting meals. And then together they wrote the cookbook. So that's something that like, I think the one criticism, I guess, of the movie Julie and Julia is that it positions it almost like it's just Julia child. And then her friends are like helping her, but they were actually writing the book before she joined their little group of friends. Yeah. I wonder if it's a little bit of like tokenism going on there there. is like a scene where they like bring her onto the project Mm -hmm. so like it does show that they're working on first but then it is like yeah like it's hers now right like she's the only one she's a female chef and that's it like there weren't any other chefs which i mean kind of common yeah yeah (laughs) yep yeah she's the one and only um there's never been another woman chef yeah don't try and argue with me about it it's fine so in the 50s, when she starts this whole endeavor, starting the school and they start writing the cookbook together, she gets really excited about this. And she's like all in. And Paul is like, I support you. I totally like, let's do it. Let's do it fully. And he knows he's going to be retiring in like 10 years or so. So he's like, when I retire, like this is this is fully it, which again, kind of bullshit. I mean, she's working on it while he's working. But like he like he can't support in any other way other than just being there and paying the bills right while she's mm-hmm. doing all these things so um she wrote in 1952 i have finally found a real and satisfying profession which will keep me busy well into the year 2000 which like she said that yep i love her yep, so yep. much <laughs> so it was very exciting for her and they start writing the book like i said it takes them nine years to get a publisher so there's like this whole process of writing it and editing it and photographing it and then sending out and actually publishers passed on it um, in the early in the late 50s and early 60s. Um, and they're like, it's too long. It's too complicated. It's too confusing. There's no market for this. Americans don't want to learn how to cook French cuisine. So they come back and they edit it and they end up editing out like 200 pages. Like it was it's like 850 too hard for Americans. Book. We can't it, yeah. learn on French cooking skills. They're too no. fancy. Make it simple. Who make wants to simple. make a burr blanc? How do I make those chicken nugs? That's all I need to know. <laughs> Can I put ketchup on it? Well, really, that's the only question. Can I put ketchup on it? 
There is that scene in the movie where they're like, American housewives don't want this. They want things where you use a mix. Uh, they want right. jello salads. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we've done a whole episode on jello salads where we talked about this weird moment in American culinary history where like you have all these marketing companies that are like, oh, let's make things more convenient for the American housewife, but then let's make them feel guilty about it and show them how to fancy it up. So they're like, Jello is way easier than using traditional gelatin, but like, let's put it in a mold and add spinach to it and make it fucking horrible. Um, and it'll take dogs. you three hours. Jello, Jello was the future for a little while. Yes, yes. So, um, so there's this weird, there's this weird period in American culinary history. Um, but Julia, in the um, Intro to the book, she wrote, this is a book for the servantless American cook who can be unconcerned on occasion with budgets, waistlines, time schedules, children's meals, the parent, chauffeur, dead mother syndrome, or anything else which might interfere with the enjoyment of producing something wonderful to eat. Um, so well, she did have that recipe that was like a beef jello or something. Yeah. Aspect. Aspect. It's all that? the aspects. Yep. Thank Aspect you. is a very sore subject on this show. Yeah. It's fucking disgusting. Oh, sorry. Never watched. <laughs> I watched a YouTube video the other day where a woman put three whole hamburgers in aspic. Oh. And then she ate it. No. Was she a was she on keto? No, was it, it was keto thing? It, it was that Emmy made in Japan. She does all that, oh, like oh, a bunch oh, yeah. of weird stuff. It was disgusting. And people used to just eat that like it was normal. Mm-hmm. What yeah. is wrong with people? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you like it, that's your thing, I guess. Anyway, or if you're on keto, no, your thing, no. that's fine. But eh, if you're no. on keto, I guess. But like, also, yeah. some things cannot be forgiven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're on keto and you're eating hamburger Jello, you uh, you need to rethink some of your choices. Well, right. To be mm-hmm. Laura's on my level with the, n- <laughs> the non no forgiving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a Scorpio moon. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> Nothing. Never forget. Never forget. Never forget nothing. <laughs> Cut off. Period. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why would I ever speak to you again if you have ever wronged me or anyone I know? Or eating the hamburger or even and jello. If, yeah. No. Or you or put in, a hamburger yeah. and jello. It's not okay. Then you're canceled. Done. I mean, I'm on board with that. <laughs> Done. We have our goblets. We have our knives. It's over. <laughs> That's right. Oh, <laughs> Amy, I'm sorry. This is a struggle. That's, that's totally fine. I'm used to it. No, it's that's just, true. I've actually been more, more restrained this episode. So Yeah. Um, in 1961, they move back to the United States. They move to Cambridge and Paul retires. And Wait, like he- Cambridge, Massachusetts? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's Me near that's, that's near us New Englander folks. Yep. So Paul retires and he does just what he promised and he supports her in every single way. So when he retires, they're like, oh, shit, there's like no real money coming in. Like he has a pension, but that's it. Um, So they they move into a modest household and Paul plans to remodel the kitchen completely. So he does it by hand. He designs it himself. He builds it himself and he builds it with Julia's height in mind. Um, because he had watched her stoop over these like teeny tiny counters in Europe, in Paris, where they were living and just have like horrible back pain because even in America, the average kitchen is built for a woman with an average height of five foot four, um, which sucks. For Still taller ladies. than me. So, you know. 
I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're not all tall like you, Amy, and I'm pretty sure Zoe. Because I'm pretty sure I'm you're five both... nine. Oh my god, yeah. you're all oh, you're taller than me. You're all <laughs> tall goddesses. Oh my god, I can't. I'm not tall. No, Laura's no, in it with me. Well, how's no, the first time, the first time I met Laura in person, I was like, oh, you're smaller than I thought. Wait, <laughs> yeah, how tall are like, you? You look like you'd be tall. I'm five four. Oh, taller than me. Well, they have tall energy. Laura yeah. does have tall energy. I'm mm -hmm. like five seven, five eight, depending on my posture. Yeah, I'm like between <laughs> five four and five five. <laughs> I'm literally a like I was in Chinatown shopping the other day and I was standing next to this woman who was like I, I like I'm sure I don't know like not even five feet and I just felt so bad because we were like looking at the same products and I was like literally like towering and I was like oh god <laughs> I, I don't know I just felt like I was intimidating but unintentionally so so yeah, yeah. I feel you wait I'm, Amy how um, tall are you I'm 5'10 so I, mean, I so is my yeah sister. I've been asked to get stuff off of the top shelves at grocery me stores too. for little old ladies since I was like 12. Oh, I mean, me if too. You're going, if you're going to use your tall, <laughs> use it for good, right? Like, yeah, yeah no, get... of course. Yeah. No, I but love like, being this height. I would never ask to be any shorter. Yeah, yeah same. I like I, I like that. being tall. It's just, yeah. yeah I, de I definitely, when I'm surrounded by short people, I feel like I'm intimidating. Like, I Yeah. Feel like... <laughs> well, you're not intimidating to me. I appreciate that, Melissa. I wish um, you were taller, honestly. <laughs> like Julia Child. Yeah. yeah. So I want fun, you Julia Child size. I can fun climb fact, all of Julia Childs and her two siblings were incredibly tall. They're all over six feet. So her mother used to joke that I've created 18 feet of children. Oh, Wait, do we know how tall her husband was? He was, no. he was oh, a short was king, he? right? I think he was like short five king. seven or five eight. Ooh, okay. Adorable. I feel like that's time that. that's tall, yeah. but that's uh, that's not tall. Because in yeah. the movie, it's like Stanley Tucci is like a he's a short king, and yeah. Yeah. like yeah, she's tall. Adorable. I love it. I love a short man with a tall woman. But that's I mean, a, like you know that's powerful, right? Like you know that he is confident in his own masculinity, like yeah, both through his no actions and through the fact that like he's just. Like he doesn't give a shit. Like he doesn't yeah. give a shit about the appearances. So. He's no he's no Tom Cruise making her wear flats because he's a short little bitch who right. can't handle how tall uh, yeah. his wife is. Yeah. And yeah. as we see in the movie, like he can lay it down. Yeah, man has no, moved. Does the man not affect has moves. <laughs> <laughs> he has moves. He knows it. Love to see it. Is yep. this the house? Is this? Can you see this, Amy? Can you see what I'm showing or now? Is this the house in Massachusetts? I can't no, see what you're showing now. Oh, okay. Not, well. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Not, <laughs> you're not sharing the screen. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> that might be helpful. Oh, there it is. Yes, that's the house in Massachusetts. I forgot. So, okay, cool. So this is so what we're talking about. Julia's kind of freaking out because she's like, oh, gosh, like, how are we going to make money? How are we going to survive? He's like fully supporting me. They haven't actually sold the cookbook at this point. Like they move back. He retires like with the the confidence that she'll sell the cookbook, but she hasn't sold it. Um. So she's like, OK, I can teach cooking classes twice a week and I can bring home an income of $40 a week and we'll have to live modestly, but we can make it work like. Like, she's invested, he's invested. And then later that year, the book is finally published. And when it's published, she goes on, like, this press circuit to promote it. So WGBH, Boston Public Television, asked her on for, like, this, um, 
the show was called like what I've read lately or something, but it was like a book, it was a book show. So it was a show about like books that have come out recently and they invited authors on to just talk about their work. So the host is expecting Julia Child to show up with like, just to just talk about her recipes and what the inspiration was, but she shows up with like a fucking like whisk and a hot plate and a bowl and eggs. And they're like, ah, okay, we'll make this work. And she just starts cooking like live on TV. And they had never had someone like that. They had never done that on television before. So she just makes an omelet for the host on TV. And like mm-hmm. her yep. personality is amazing. And she's just funny and relatable and loud and lovely. And the TV station gets dozens of letters from people watching at home being like, we love her. Do more Wait, they didn't of just tweet? They didn't just tweet it? because like, They I did mean- not tweet it in 1961. <laughs> Kate, I don't know if you know this. Tell me. But Twitter's kind of new. <laughs> so, uh, quick pause, guys. Some of our guests do uh, need to leave us. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um... So, thank you so much for having us on. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs> so she makes an omelet live on TV. The audience falls in love with her. They write tons of letters into the station. And then immediately WGBH is like, come back. Do your own TV show. And then the French chef is made so it premieres in 1962 it's our first television show it's immensely popular and they go on for 206 episodes and that show is credited with convincing the american public to try cooking french food at home for the first time so it's successful because of her personality and she makes cooking feel accessible like she makes mistakes she's kind of goofy she's funny and she has this really sincere passion for food too which is great so obviously other shows follow. So there's Ju- Julia Child and Company, Dinner and Julia's, Baking with Julia, In Julia's Kitchen with Master Chefs. And then for every TV yeah. show she has too, she releases a book with the same name. Um, and there's also Julia and Jacques Cooking at Home, um, which she wrote with Jacques Pepin. Yeah. Jacques Pepin. Yep. yep. Uh, terrifying. What? This time cover? Yeah, yeah that I don't like. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's giving me Margaret Thatcher vibes. I don't know why. Yeah, this is not good. Yeah. If we ever post a blog post again, this will be included. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the thing that Julia Child really does is she like revolutionizes the way that Americans think about food. Because before this point, the only households in America that could afford to have French cuisine or like nicer food like this were households like the one she grew up in with servants, right? They're well-to-do families. Uh, they're predominantly reserved for wealthy families. We think back to like to the like our Thomas Jefferson episode, and like he's the one that first introduces French cuisine to the American population, and it's definitely got to be like rich households, right? Like he's right, right, got right, literal enslaved people cooking for him. Um, so she makes this all very accessible to the average American family. She goes out on her own, um, and she just revolutionizes the way we think about food too. She makes this quality European cuisine accessible to those American families, even to families that don't have the means to um, normally afford ingredients or like all these fancy cooking pots and pans or have the education to like really understand how to prepare them. So she brings both of those things in her package. So she once in an interview was asked about like what her favorite pots and pans were. And she literally like, she has like all these fancy copper pots that she bought in Paris. And then she pulls out like this, like really basic pan. And is like, you get this at the hardware store. 
this pan. It's perfect for omelets. Like, this is my favorite pan. Like, Wait, I can get it at the this. hardware store? Yes, that's what you she says about her pans favorite. at the hardware store? In well, there was no... Yeah. Yes. The hardware <laughs> store was the, like, department store at the time. Like, yeah. you know, it would have been... The corner store. Like, the, the yeah. general store would have been the hardware store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, she sees... <laughs> she sees cooking Wait, this way. Wait, no Macy's? No. Oh my gosh. No Kohl's. No Kohl's. No. I mean, I know yeah. not Macy's, but like whatever the pre Macy's was, not no pre Macy's Sears, yeah. like Sears probably Sears would Roebuck. have been, yeah, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. So she's cooking as this really accessible way to access culture and art through food, like so she like this this journey that she goes on, she then brings the whole American public on, and she just think is really beautiful. It is. Yeah. yeah, she introduced like a like air quotes fancy French cooking to the mm -hmm. world, essentially. Yeah, which I really want to do someday when we we use that YouTube uh, channel that we have reserved mm -hmm. uh, with our name. I'd really, I know it's like Julia, Julia and Julia, Julia and Julie, whew, or whatever, Julie and Julia. Shit, what what? Julie <laughs> and Julia. Guys, I'm drunk. Um, <laughs> Notice, but like I wanted to do that, but with the added thing of video and also, you know, being yeah. drunk because we're yeah. drunk dish. Um, but like, it's so cool. Yeah. Even yeah, now, I, mean, I feel like a lot of those recipes that were like considered simple then now are like, I can't do this for five fucking hours. Like, oh well, yeah. so that's yeah, 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 for sure. It's still there's, it's still for serious cooking, like. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not spaghetti. Right. It's not like what we would consider like convenience food for today. Like convenience food for the fifties and sixties was very different than convenience food for today. Like so, well, it's, yeah. Like it's very like what we consider like easy meals today are very different. You'd be mocked for serving your children then. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. So. Um, I have some like fun facts about Julia Child that I just want to kind of rapid fire. Um, so in the early 90s, Julia Child actually voiced several characters on several children's cartoons, which I just find delightful because I love her voice. That is really cute. Yep. Yeah. In 1992, 70 guests paid $100 a pop to attend her 80th birthday party as a part as a fundraiser to raise money for the American Institute of Wine and Food, which is the picture you had up a few minutes ago of everybody like, I on the absolutely front porch. would have paid $100 to be there at that party. Yeah, just 100 bucks. What a great value. Yeah. Um, she also carried around with her what she called her sacred bag. Um, it housed all of her favorite cooking utensils. She started having it when she um, started her very first cooking show on WGBH, but she kept it throughout her entire career. Um, Can you imagine walking around with like a tiny whisk and like yeah, it was uh, a big black canvas bag, Turner and yeah, a pastry group. cutting wheel. Yeah, 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 yeah flower yeah. scoop. <laughs> Her knives, like it was just like random kitchen stuff that she just loved. It was like, um, and then the New Yorker, bag. yeah, it was her main pocket, her carpet, carpet bag, bag, yeah, yeah. The New Yorker, um, once interviewed uh Paul Childs about his progressive attitudes around marriage and Julia Child in 1974. Um, progressive. and they, yeah, and they noted that he quote suffered from no apparent insecurities of male ego, but he was just hmm. like. So chill. Yeah. Like that's a bad thing. I know. Um fucking baller. 
Yeah. Sign and me th- up. I mean, I say that, but I basically have that in my current partner. Yeah. <laughs> he does not give a fuck about the trappings of like masculinity. Like, yeah. You know, he could not fucking care less. So I guess I really shouldn't say, oh, I wish. I got it. I'm good. <laughs> Kate's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm fine. Oh, man. <sighs> Yay, us. Yay, but, us. Yay. Oh, <laughs> that's how we're going to end every episode now. <sighs> Yay, I, us. I have three more. <laughs> I have three more quick facts. Oh, okay, you. okay, okay, okay. No, so, no, so the OSS, which is the organization, the intelligence agency that Julia Childs was a member of, later uh-huh. becomes the CIA, but she also joins another CIA, the Culinary Institute of America. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, they inducted uh, Julia Child into their Hall of Fame <gasps> so in stupid. 1993. I know it's so corny. I couldn't help myself. I love it. So it's um, but she was the first woman ever to receive the, receive the honor of being inducted into the, the Culinary Institute of America's Hall of Fame. And, and that, then, I'm going to say that's messed up because like. It was she, the 90s. It was the same. Yeah. No. Like yeah. that's. I know. I mean, the first woman, uh, uh, African-American woman to win an Oscar, a uh, best female actress Oscar, I think was Halle Berry like 10 years ago. So. Yeah. Yeah, I have to keep reminding myself that like 1993 was also the first year where like raping your spouse was illegal. Like before that, it was fine. Wow. So like, wow, I mean, really, really bringing it down and right up. I know there's yeah, a no. lot of progress still to be made, and everything that we think of as like, oh, obviously, like that's still so fucking recent. Well, like, that's well, that's why I said the brown face thing. Yeah, yeah. While unacceptable, mm-hmm. I mean, we've got Meryl Streep doing it just like a couple of years ago, and Which it was fine because up. it was a like a disguise or like a costume. It's messed you up. know, um, it's weird. It feels like now. This might just be my drunk musings, but like that stuff's moving really quickly. Mm-hmm. Like it took a long time, you know, 80s, 90s, early 2000s for things to be like, okay, that's not okay anymore. Like we're yeah. moving past that as a culture. And now it feels like stuff now isn't okay. That shouldn't be okay. Um, but that a year ago was like acceptable. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's almost like technology where when once technology gets rolling, it's just like, Bam, innovation, bam, innovation, bam, innovation. And then you kind of have like a lull. But I feel like everything right now is moving super fast in terms of like what is acceptable. What's like how are the correct ways to treat someone who is like different from yourself or whatever is all moving very quickly. Which is why talking about people who came up in such a different era, it's so jarring. We're just like, it's 2020. Yeah, yeah, and 2020 is fucking wild. Like the things that I've learned in 2020, oh my, my god, I mean, opening. Yeah, I've learned that, so much. Embarrassing to to admit that you were learning that you learned in 2020. Oh yeah, no, there's nothing right? wrong with learning. I mean, yeah. as long yeah. as you're making the effort and you're learning. I, well, I say that because that's what I'm doing. So obviously, it's great. Um, but yeah, 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 I feel like things move really fast. So like to look at stuff that Julia Child did. Um, and to look at like how her husband was considered kind of um, odd mm-hmm. and like super progressive, and you're just like he just he just loved, loved his wife. Yeah. yeah, 
Like, yeah. how is that progressive? How is I know making sure your wife is comfortable, making sure your wife is comfortable in the kitchen. Like that could even <laughs> sound not progressive. Yeah. Like, oh, he made sure that the counters were at the right height so she could cook him food. But I mean, obviously we know that that's because that was her passion. But like, mm -hmm. and he's super progressive. It's like, yeah. What? Yeah. 2020 is wild, y'all. Way to it do is. the bare minimum. <laughs> I don't know. He's pretty hot, in my yeah, no, opinion. Super hot. Super hot. So hot. Stanley Tucci or the real Paul Both. Child? Both. Yeah. Both. I'm more attracted to Stanley Tucci physically. Yeah. But that also comes from his talent because I'm I've got a fetish for talent. So there's a word for that. Know. I looked it up. Oh, that's a thing. Yes. Like, isn't that just liking talent? Like, isn't that just no? Where you're talented? sexually attracted to people who are talented oh. is a thing. Everything's a fetish. Everything's right? a thing. It's true. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, I can't find it. I shouldn't have looked that up. Did you, Amy? Were, were there more? Were there more <laughs> fun facts? Maybe oh, twenty minutes. Sorry. Yeah. So one last thing. Her kitchen was donated to the Smithsonian. So you can actually go so see much. her kitchen. Like they they took all the cabinets, all the all the utensils, everything that Paul like painstakingly. Like he was very thoughtful with it. Like he put he knew that like she liked easy access to stuff. She liked like pots and pans hanging. So he like put up pegboard and then like drew outlines of where everything should go. And he knew she didn't like to go through drawers. So like he put up a magnetic strip for knives, which was like new for then, the sixties, yeah. right? Like so he did all these things specifically with her height and like her desires and her her interests and passions in mind is really sweet. What so, if but we just chance of that happening? You finding that? I don't know. Just, just the fact that he paid enough attention to, to know that stuff. Her, mm -hmm. yeah, to yeah. her needs and her desires that he would have been thoughtful enough to do mm -hmm. that like is making me a little teary yeah i was right gonna now. say kate's gonna cry it's i can true. see it <laughs> it's it's true it's happening it's a love story for the ages yeah, it's mm -hmm. really is. all I'm, right i'm glad that like out of all of i'm glad that that uh there's minimal skeletons in this closet because mm -hmm. like like I can't I can't handle another I know <laughs> I know that's what like I always start out researching every episode like what did this person do yeah 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 yeah, horrible. yeah 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 I'm pretty sure she was relatively clean mm -hmm. that we know of I, she was actually a spy and she like murdered people and stuff I don't think so I don't, I don't see her are. yeah I don't see her as a murderer because in her autobiography, she seems like very disappointed that she didn't get to do any actual spying. Like she's like, "That's what I wanted to do," but they just like had me sleep on cots, and I had they to travel to like. She had too yeah. tall to be a spy. Yeah, yeah. No one, you can't blend in. Well, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you'll stick out in a crowd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Imagine Which being a spy sure and being did. the tallest person. And she was in Sri Lanka too. I don't know if I mentioned that, but like, no. yeah. like being the tallest person. And being white in a place that is predominantly not white, like she's definitely gonna yeah. stick out like a sword. Right. Yep. Do we have any other facts? What do you There's eat? No pizza? Money. pizza, cold pizza, and cookies. Because mm. I'm a child. Mm. <laughs> I did. Did you guys ever watch Julia? Ch like, 
Now, yeah. as an adult, it's one thing. But like when you were a kid and it was on PBS, like yeah, I watched right? her and I watched Yankee and Cook and Love I watched Shock Big Hand. Yep, that other one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Same, same. Yeah, but yeah. mostly Yankee and Cook and Julia for me. No, I yeah. really like Yan can cook. Yan can cook is was great. The frugal <laughs> gourmet, jump, 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 like, slide. like uh, uh, what was Jeff Jeff Smith? The frugal gourmet. That oh, would I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Julia was like I. It was a you know my grandmother would. It was just always. It, I feel like she was always on. So yeah, we also only had like three channels. So um, <laughs> and PBS still still shows her. It shows uh, cooking with Julia like every day. Yep. I think it's like at 11 or something. So good. Very so cool. And also um, Tubi, the free uh, like movie service, they have like ads. So if you want to watch a movie, it has commercials or whatever. And they're really annoying. But it's free. Has all of the the cooking with Julia episodes. Me. I'm, a lot. I'm sorry. You're what a lot? <laughs> I didn't notice until you Perfect. said it. So I think that's our cue that we're winding down. Um, so again, thank you to our season of the bitch guests. Oh my gosh. It was super How awesome. fun was that? Very fun. Uh, they're all incredibly hot and I have crushes on all of them. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining. Uh, but I think that's all we got, right? Yeah, yeah. that's all we got. All right. So we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 <laughs> I can't end broadcast. Thank you for listening to Drunk Dish. For recipes and more, please visit drunkdish.com. If you like what you hear, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Apple Music. You can also follow us on Twitter at Drunk Dish Pod and Instagram at Drunk Dish. And again, thanks for listening. Bye.